This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, Canada. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. This is a part of our year in review series. We are back live Monday, February 5th, right here on TSN 1050. And when that gets underway, we'll be back to our schedule where we're on twice a week for two hours, Monday, 10 a.m. TSN 1050, and as well, Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on TSN 1050. Again, Monday, February 5th is when we are back and live. Really enjoyed these year in review specials. Hopefully you have too. Today, we are going to look back at some of our interviews with some notable Canadians throughout the year that was in 2023, which was a season to remember across professional tours for Canadians. We had so many victories. We discussed it at length throughout our show in 2023 and looking forward to seeing what is next to come for Team Canada in 2024. Of course, this is all highlighted by one Nick Taylor at the RBC Canadian Open, that 72-foot eagle putt to win, to break the long drought of Canadians winning our RBC Canadian Open. Of course, Mark's call was iconic for Nick Taylor's historic putt to win the RBC Canadian Open. And a couple of months ago, Mark had a chance to catch up with Nick Taylor discussing the historic victory. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know this is kind of a bit of a time of year where you're doing things and uh, you're busy with things that are not necessarily PGA Tour related. We'll get to that uh, before we say goodbye, but um, we can't take a look back at the year in Canadian golf without taking a look back at one of the greatest moments in the history of Canadian sport. Uh, Really (laughs) transcends the game. When I say that to you, what do you feel? What, what are you comfortable even hearing that? Uh, I don't know. I, I've, I guess in time it's, it's started to sink in of, of, uh, I guess the magnitude for Canadian, for name golf. Um, you know, it's still fun looking back at your call, looking back at, uh, the highlights of just that putt, you know, obviously having one of my best friends, Dave Mark on the bag, our reaction just, you know, I think over time it's sunk in, but, there's still times my wife and I are sitting on the couch, look at each other, like, did that really just happen? <laughs> uh, it's been a fun couple of months to uh, to do that. And, and again, it's, it's going to be nice to have some time off and, and kind of reflect on that over the next two, three months. When you do think about it, when you go back to that moment, can, can you put yourself there? Do those feelings come back? Can, can Does it feel different now than it did at the time? I'm imagining at the time the, the adrenaline rush must have been, uh, you know, off the charts. Yeah. You know, the, the strongest kind of memory of feeling that I have is, is when the pot went in and my kind of look over to Dave of, you know, almost pure disbelief. And then just when he tackles me and just pure joy, it, it was, uh, it was quite a memory right there. A lot of it after it is, is I don't remember a whole lot, you know, now that my perception is just, the uh the coverage that i've seen so um 
no, there's certain parts that are very vivid still. Other parts I kind of blocked out and forgot. But uh, no, a lot of adrenaline was going on probably the rest of that week, to be honest, in the end of the U.S. Open the next week. Um, there's a lot of a lot of fun times after that. You were having a great year before we got to Oakdale. You almost won in Phoenix. You looked so calm. Um, I remember being under my headset. I was with Rory McIlroy for most of the week. And on the, I believe it was around the eighth hole on Sunday, my producer said, Mark, go find Nick Taylor. Uh, we think he's on eight. You know, you were somewhere around eight. So I went and 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 searched you out. They're going to, you know, put, put me on you because our producer felt like, okay, Nick's on to something here. There's something special coming. Uh, did, did you feel it that early in the round? How were you able to stay so calm? Because I remember calling uh, most of your round. I was a complete nervous wreck, if I'm going to be <laughs> honest, because I felt like I was hitting every shot with you, trying to will it into the hole. And I'm trying to not let that come over my calls because, you know, we're <laughs> not supposed to be cheering for anyone, <laughs> but it was pretty clear who I was cheering for. And, and yeah. rightfully so. But how were you able, because you, you gave this uh, feeling that, hey, I've got this. Were you feeling that inside or were you just covering it well? You know, like you said, I felt like that whole entire season I was playing well. I had confidence playing in some big moments, you know, dating back to, to waste management in Phoenix. So starting the day, I felt comfortable. I had played two great rounds. The second and third round had a lot of momentum going. Felt like we were reading the greens really, really well. And, um, you know, vividly, I remember a par put on one and three was was crucial to kind of keep the round going. And then from then, you know, I played that front nine pretty much incredible all week. Uh, a lot of guys are maybe even just holding on, trying to get to probably the eighth hole, seventh hole and get the round going. And I was three, four under through six, seven holes the last three days. So that really got my rounds kickstarted. Um, you know, and from there, I just tried to let it take over of kind of some past experiences, not let the moment kind of overcome me. And um, I was able to do it, but yeah, it was a lot of fun being that moment because you could feel the energy of the crowd. You knew the importance of it. Um, I didn't look at a leaderboard really all day. I had a sense of where I was. And uh, the funny part with when I did the walk and talk, I think on the 15th hole, um, Jim Nance had mentioned over it that, you know, we never had this, somebody do this in the final round, let alone the person leading the golf tournament. I was like, well, I guess I'm leading the golf tournament now <laughs> officially. So, uh, so many little things in that day that were, when you piece it all together, it's uh, pretty remarkable. Well, I I've got to let you know, that when that moment was happening, I was losing it off air in my headset because I've got friends on the CBS golf team, uh, one or two of which that used to work on our radio team. And uh, I was going nuts saying, I can't believe they're doing this. Leave them alone. Why are they doing a walk and talk on a Sunday with a Canadian who's leading the Canadian Open? I was absolutely losing it in our headset while that was going on. But thank God it, it didn't phase you like it phased the rest yeah. of us. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What's the encore? I mean, we're going to be in the fall. You're going to play limited in the fall. Uh, before we started the interview, we are talking off air. You mentioned you're going to play Vegas and Tokyo. So mm -hmm. how does this change your perspective for 2024? And correct me if I'm wrong, but my gut tells me that there is one thing on your calendar with a big bullseye around it. And it's about a year out in Montreal on the President's Cup team. That's a huge goal of mine. I think next year there's going to be a lot of big events that I'm now in, you know, having the successful season that I had with the majors, you know, signature events. 
the Olympics is one, you know, we've, we've had it twice now and that's definitely on my calendar. But like you said, about a year from now, President's Cup, where's he being the captain, uh, being in our home country. Um, there's a lot of things there that it's, uh, it's kind of the peak of the pyramid where I'm lo- working towards. So, um, yeah, a lot to be motivated for still. Uh, and that's probably, you know, that's the end of the road, but that's definitely the, uh, a lot of motivation here to make that team. Uh, before I ask you where you are and let you get to the business on hand, because I know you're busy on the West Coast with your uh, with your charity event, how much are you and the guys talking about the President's Cup? Like, do you, Adam, Corey, uh, you know, Adam, do you guys, you're chatting a lot about next fall and what it would mean to get, you know, a, a lot of Canadian jerseys, so to speak, on that squad? Yeah, I think it's all on our, you know, goal list. Um, definitely a team that we want to be on. How much talk of, you know, if we if, if we'd be on the team, who we play together, not much going on there. I think Adam and I have, Adam Howe and I have great rapport. We obviously played great at Zurich. We've played well at the World Cup in the past. Um, pretty sure I've snagged him for the for the Zurich this coming year as well. But um, yeah, I, I think we're all looking towards that. If, when Hopefully we could get on the team. We'll figure it out once we kind of do that. But I think all individually, we're just really trying to make that team. Awesome, Nick. Thanks so much. Uh, listen, on behalf of everybody, uh, I know you've you've heard it time and time again, but uh, thank you for an absolutely incredible moment in Canadian history. And on a personal level, uh, thank you for the greatest moment of my career. The only problem with this, <laughs> Nick, is uh, it's all downhill for the rest of the way for me. I, I'm never going to get there again and feel that again. So <laughs> that's the only negative. Well, it's- I, I appreciate it. It's nice to have your voice back, too. So we're, yeah. we're all good there. <laughs> Nick, I will not see you in the fall as we've got opposite tour schedules, but I'll see you on the other side of New Year's. So have a great fall. All the best to you and your family, and we'll see you in 24. Okay. Thanks, Mark. You too. Awesome stuff there. Okay, for much more on the moment of the year, let's bring in Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks to the conversation. And Mark, we just heard your iconic call, one of the great calls we've ever seen in sports, period. But a lot of people want to know, where was your vantage point for that great call from Nick Taylor? You know, Adam, for that, it kind of makes it even a little bit more special where I was and who I was with, to be bluntly honest with you. Um, that is going to be the highlight of, of my career, and I'm unlikely going to see something uh, ever like that again with my own eyes. Uh, that moment's going to live forever. I was behind the green to the back left corner of the green from the player's perspective. Uh, looking down the green from TV perspective, I'm back right. Now, as you know, I'm not the tallest guy in the world, but I'm still wearing an antenna, and I've got a lot of gear, and the rain is coming in, uh, starting lightly. And I didn't want to get in the way of people, so I was crouched down, kind of like in the catcher's position to make that call. But behind me is Bob Weeks, Mike Weir, uh, Jamie Rydell, uh Lawrence Applebaum, um, uh, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, uh, every anyone who's anyone in the in the world of golf, all the golf media that uh, that I have kind of worked with over the last two decades. Uh, Bob has worked with all of them over three decades. Uh, see, Bob, how I protected the, the age difference there. I only gave you the extra decade. That's how much I love you. Um, this was such a special moment, and I'm really excited for next year's RBC Canadian Open. I think I think the floodgates might be open, and with the year we've had, maybe we get to do this again, and I think that would be special. And I'm excited for Nick Taylor, guys. I really am because – in a way now, with the confidence he got from that WM Phoenix Open, 
and then, you know, kind of relayed it into where we got to the national championship. In a way, Nick's playing with house money now. And I could I could think this could be a really big year. If he gets into the mix at a, at a major championship, I don't think the pressure is going to bother him with what he was just able to accomplish at Oakdale. Yeah, I totally agree with that. What a moment it was. Now, Bob, for you, you've covered this game for quite some time. Put this into perspective for us. Just how amazing was this moment from Nick Taylor? You know, I've been asked that question a lot. And, and, and when you go back and look at the huge accomplishments that I've been lucky enough to be there for, Mike Weir winning the Masters, uh, Brooke Henderson winning the CPKC Women's Open, in both those occasions, there wasn't the drama or the, um, the suddenness of the win. They were both great accomplishments. Even Stephen Ames winning the Players' Championship was, was in that group as well. But for this one, just the drama, just the, uh, the way it ended, and a lot of people kind of forget. We, we look at that, that last hole and, of course, that, that chilling uh, commentary from, from Mark, which I had said before is right up there with Tom Cheek calling Joe Carter's home run and, uh, Foster Hewitt calling Paul Henderson's goal in the Canada-Russia series. To me, it's, it's iconic. But I think you forget that on the opening round, Nick Taylor shot 75. And on the first hole, he made a par on Sunday, he made a par. And Data Golf, which is our friends from Data Golf here, they, they have live projections and percentages of win percentages. After that par on the first hole, Nick Taylor was less than 1% to win the tournament. So you can see how everything sort of came together and then... For me, I guess the drama of the moment, the excitement of the moment, the explosiveness of the moment is really um, what makes it even more special. I mean, I was standing there, as Mark said, behind the green. I hugged Dave Mackay, the CEO of RBC. I don't know if he's ever been hugged before by a golf reporter. And, uh, and then there was all sorts of hugs. And then, and then you're kind of trying to run on to the, to the green to get the interview with, with him. And, uh, and we were, I've never had an interview like that where basically you're just absolutely surrounded by people. And I had to kind of pull close together because he was, it, it was hard to sort of, uh, he's getting pulled this way and that way. So the moment itself is something, though, and, and uh, watching that putt go in is something uh, I'll never get tired of. Well, it's one of the greatest moments we've seen in recent Canadian sports history. When we come back here on GTC, we go one-on-one -on -one with Stephen Ames, who won four times on PGA Tour Champions this season. This is our Canadian interview special of those who had a ton of success across all tours in 2023, right here on GTC. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods, designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in the studio. Today, we're taking a look back at some of our interviews throughout 2023 from Canadians who had a ton of success on all kinds of tours and Stephen Ames well he led the way in terms of number of victories 
for Canadians across professional tours with four. He had four wins on PGA Tour champions. And shortly after his final event of the season in 2023, I had a chance to go one-on-one with Stephen Ames. Pleased to welcome Stephen Ames, who won four times on PGA Tour Champions, back to Golf Talk Canada in 2023. Stephen, welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, Adam. Absolutely. Okay. So four wins on PGA Tour Champions in 2023. Could you have seen this year coming? Uh, no. Uh, like, I, like I've uh, alluded to before in our last conversation, if I knew that was going to happen, I'd be buying lottery tickets every day. But no, I didn't foresee that. Um, I I saw myself playing well because of the way I finished off last year. Uh, last year was a very solid solid year. And funny, you know, I was kind of hoping if I continue that kind of play, which I did, uh, maybe I'll get a win or two. But uh, four? No, very unlikely. <laughs> so in your mind, what was the biggest reason for all the success you had in 2023? Woo. Um, there, there are a few things. I mean, you, um, as we all know, this uh, golf is not easy. It's, um, uh, there are a lot of things that have to align, like the stars have to align in certain directions, obviously. But I think the main, the main thing is, that, is the team that I have behind me. Um, obviously, Shaheen, I've been with for the last five, six years now. He's helped me a lot with my golf swing. Uh, we do a lot of what we're doing now, which is video chatting. And I'm swinging and he's talking about certain positions and stuff, which I understand uh, completely about it. And then, of course, I've got Alan Fine, who is my psychologist who I've had for since 04. Uh, we've been in and out, in and out uh, from PGA Tour going to the Champions Tour. And I got to the stage of the Champions Tour where it was like, you know, I was fed up the way I was thinking and doing everything. So I gave him a call back. So we started back again. Um, I think it was three, two, two and a half years ago now we've been back together. So I think it kind of adds up to everything. And then, of course, end of 2020, when we were going through um, COVID, I injured myself and I was like, you know, I'm fed up with the way I feel also. So I hired uh, Harry C., who actually happens to be John Roms and Adam Hadwin's uh, personal trainer. So uh, Harry's got me back into the best shape I've ever been in my life. And I feel very strong and helpful and uh as we all know, we're not getting younger. I'm 59 now, and it's uh, I feel very healthy and feel very strong at this age right now. So all these things have aligned perfectly for me, and uh, I'm basically got, I've got a wife who does everything for me right now, so I don't have to do anything but play golf, which is kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that now that is obviously uh, essential there. Now you mentioned Shaheen too, Shaheen Nakjavani, a world-renowned swing coach. Uh, I've also uh, done some work with Shaheen as well as many other people all, all over the world. How often do you guys actually video chat and check in throughout the season? We try to do like once a month. So if I've got a week off and I want to start back again, we do like Sunday or Monday mm-hmm. uh, before the event. There's certain things that we look at and, the same things pop up, which is which is nice. It's not something new. It's always the same things that keep popping up, and it's the same things that I'm concentrating on as the week goes on. And I periodically check every day, just looking at my posture through just a quick video from my, my caddy holds it and checks it. And I just periodically check to see that everything's working fine. And from there, it's just a mental mental approach. You know, focus on something, get up and hit it. Um, the rest of it pretty much happens as it goes along, uh, which is nice. So, like I said, golf, golf's been good. It's been easy. So all those things kind of add up, and it helps 
it helps when you win four four times in one year as well. Yeah, it certainly does. Now, I saw uh, recently that you graded your season as a B plus. Given the yeah. four victories, how did you only grade it as a B plus? Are you just a hard marker or what? I am a hard marker. Yeah, because <laughs> that's funny because uh, 22, 22, I thought actually was a better year than 23, but I didn't have any wins. Hmm. So I graded, I graded on the fact that every week I had an opportunity to win. This year I had four wins, but at the same time it was extremely inconsistent because there were some weeks where I was 40th, 50th, which I didn't like at all, or even 30th, and I didn't like that. And I thought it was so inconsistent. So it was, very, it was a bigger wave, let's put it this way. It was a bigger wave this year, but at the same time there were big highs and big lows, while last year they were very... You know, it's pretty much like the water I have outside right now. It's just nice and calm, you know, so it's perfect. I like that way. <laughs> oh, man, that's a very good way to put it. Now, obviously, four wins for you in 2023. Numerous wins for Team Canada across professional tours in 2023. How special is it for you to be part of one of the greatest seasons in Canadian golf history? Yeah, I think we got more great seasons coming up. <laughs> Let's put it that way. A lot of great golfers are coming out. Obviously, the biggest one being Taylor. Uh, Nick Taylor winning the Canadian Open, getting the monkey off the Canadians' backs in that respect. Um, but I think overall, it's uh, it's showing that the, the golf itself, how much stronger it's becoming Canada, considering that we're a winter, more of a winter country rather than a golfing country. And uh, the fact that we have so many Canadians now that are knocking on the door. Brooke obviously still playing the way she's been playing for for the last couple of years is phenomenal. And now the men are starting to knock on the door more and more often. So, yeah, I think uh, I think overall Mike's going to have a hard pick when it comes to the President's Cup, which is a good problem to have. You know, hopefully there'll be more Canadians on the team and uh, he picks a couple more that should be there or deserve to be there. So we'll see what he does with his picks. Well, it was so funny you mentioned the President's Cup because uh, Bob Weeks was speaking with Weirzy uh, back at Royal Montreal probably a couple months ago, and he yeah. gave Weirzy the over-under of two and a half Canadians on that team, and he took the over. So I, what what, what do you think? Over-under two and I, a half Canadians on the team? I agree with that. It's going to be tough, like I said. we got so many great Koreans also who are playing well that are playing on the state, playing in the American golf and stuff. But I think it's uh, kind of fitting. We have... The, we, the, the level of talent is very high, which is the same for our event when we're going in, in a couple of weeks, the World Golf Championship one in Florida. Uh, the international teams are very high in that respect. So it's, I mean, when you consider the fact, the career that I've had, and I haven't ever played the President's Cup, that says volumes there because the, because we have such a depth of down, uh, a big uh, depth there in respect of international players. So uh, hopefully there'll be more than two players, yes, on the on the international team of the President's Cup, Canadians, that is. Well, that's awesome. Well, Stephen, 2023, a year we will not forget. Congratulations on the success you had throughout the year and all the best in 2024. Thanks a lot, Adam. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. 
This is a part of our Year in Review series. Now, many Canadians won across all professional tours in 2023. Someone who didn't get a victory but knocked on the door many times was Adam Hadwin. And shortly after, a runner-up performance during the fall portion of the PGA Tour calendar, that was back in Vegas, Bob spoke with Hadwin about the year that was and a look ahead for 2024. And here is Adam Hadwin, uh, fresh off a great finish in Vegas. And I don't know, I mean, now that you've had a couple days to kind of think it over, how do you assess it? Was it a, a missed opportunity or was it a great finish or was it both? I think it was both. Um, I'm definitely more disappointed with this finish than I was in Detroit. Detroit, I felt like I played really good golf um, and I didn't do anything to lose it, per se. Um, I felt that somebody else kind of went and took it. Um not that I didn't have a great week and do a lot of really good things, but I felt like that that shot in 16, you know, if I hit the green, who knows? I might not go on and win, but I don't think that I have this feeling of, man, I really had a good chance here. Um, at least I would have thought maybe Tom would have, you know, went out and won it a little bit more than I feel right now. Is it is it hard to uh, is it hard? I, I saw the stat at the PGA Tour put out. You may have seen it too. Since 2017, 18, you've had 26 top 10 finishes without a win. That's second only to Tommy Fleetwood. You've come so close and so many times to winning. And yet uh, it's, it seems hard and unfair almost in the job that you have to focus on winning because obviously you're a great success. You're 46th in the world. Uh, but how do you handle that? That's a good question. Um, I just keep fighting. Um, you know, we're, we're actually, we're in a very fortunate position that not winning all the time, we can still be extremely successful, um, still do great things, still, um, you know, provide for our family, do charitable work and all that kind of thing. There's a lot of good things with just playing good golf. Um, we're all competitive, uh, and we all want to win. Um, I think a little bit too, with this game, you get used to losing a little bit, right? There's only one winner every single week. Um, you're competing against 155 other players most weeks. And, and that's a difficult thing to do. Um, I've prided myself on just, um, you know, continuing to try and get better, better myself, um, to feel more comfortable in those situations when I get back in them. Um, I know, you know, these two most recent ones, Vegas and Detroit, I felt comfortable. Um, I was very comfortable. Yes, I was nervous. Um, but I wasn't, uh, anxious or antsy or, um, you know, scared of the moment per se. Um, I was very comfortable in that. Um, sometimes we execute, sometimes we don't. Um, unfortunately, uh, in one of those big moments this past week, I didn't execute properly. Uh, let's look at the, let's move on past that one event. Look at the, the past year, uh, three runner up finishes. You've had a great season. You finished inside that magical top 50 mark. So you've got a great, uh, start for next season. How do you assess the, the year as a whole? Um, okay. A little bit like last week, to be honest, I think there were, uh, plenty of positives and lots of good things, but there was a sense of disappointment as well. I thought that I was playing good enough golf and, and could have played good enough golf to get myself back into the tour championship. Uh, get myself back into guaranteed spot in the majors for next year. Um, as you mentioned, that top 50 number is a, is a, was a very large number this year. Um, as we roll through next year, we'll see what that all means and how it all plays out. But 
Um, it was an important goal to get back into the BMW Championship, get into that top 50, have a guaranteed spot in these uh, signature events next year. Um, but yeah, I can't help but think that I left some some out there um, and uh, feeling slightly disappointed um, in some of those finishes. There were a couple weeks there that I think were that could have been very big for me, one being the players um finishing with a bogey and and a couple of things on that back nine could have easily pushed me up close to the top five and same thing in phoenix um being in that final group um on saturday and the second or third last group on sunday i think was a big opportunity that i didn't take advantage of but again uh, lots of positives um getting more and more comfortable in those uh big time situations and so um lots to look forward to next year before before I go into asking about next year specifically, as a player, do you feel kind of, I don't know, a little bit in limbo because you know what next year is going to look like, but you certainly don't know much past that? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot to figure out, a lot to see how it plays out. Um, this is kind of the first off-season, like true off-season that I've ever had since I've been on the PGA Tour. And so even this little section of time this three four months has been a little bit weird to kind of sort through um again very fortunate position to know that the golf that whatever golf i decided to play this fall wasn't going to matter um outside of you know potential world ranking points or uh, um, adding to the bank account but um knowing that the fedex and the important stuff really doesn't start until January again. Um, it's been a nice feeling to maybe do some things with the body this off season that I haven't been able to do, knowing that I've had to go out and compete and start earning those FedEx points right away. Uh, I think at the end of the day, all I can focus on is playing good golf and playing well. And um, it's nice to start the year again in, in Maui. I haven't done that for a while. So, Okay. The other thing I heard that you, you say was, you're going to do, uh, you're going to try and get a little bit longer or maybe a little bit faster. I can't remember which word you actually used yeah. and maybe a little bit like stronger Thicker. like that. Is that, yeah, is that yeah. true? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the goal. I mean, I try and do that every year, right? <laughs> we get in the off season, you try and add a little bit of weight and try and get faster, stronger, faster, hit the ball further. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 36 in a few weeks and um, every one of these 21, 22 year olds coming out swings it at 125 and 185 mile, mile an hour ball speed and i just struggling to keep up at my old age here so um yeah you know like i mentioned before this is kind of the first time where i've really had an opportunity to kind of mess with that um i'm not one that likes to kind of play sore per se and lift a lot of heavy weights during weeks and stuff and so um with golf uh not that i don't go to compete but with golf taking a bit of a backseat this fall um and not and sort of having this hard restart in January, um, we've been able to kind of look at that, put together a program, and yeah, hopefully at the end of it, um, put on a little bit of muscle, a little bit of weight, get faster, and and see if I can't creep creep that ball speed up into the mid seventies at least. And then and then you could avoid uh, avoid getting tackled too, right? You'd be stronger, you'd be able to fend that off. Sorry, I had to had to throw that. No, out. I mean, listen, I'm wearing the shirt. I get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, hopefully it uh, kind of scares them a little bit that I won't be an easy target anymore. There you go. Uh, two big events on the calendar next year that I'm sure are on your calendar as well with the Olympics and with the President's Cup. Uh, how much How much would it mean for you to play in one or both of those? 
Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to describe. Um, you know, having been a part of two President's Cups, I can speak to those a little bit better. Um, our only opportunity at Team Golf and – you know, it, it's the one time that we get to play for something bigger than ourselves um, and be a part of something special. And, um, yeah, I mean, you add in sort of being a representative of Canada on that international squad. And then, you know, with it being in Canada, I think it, it would be just a magic um, week. And I think that everybody aspires to be on that team obviously they can only take 12 of us but um that one's been circled for a while since it's been announced um the you know the synergy with mike being captain and and i think that i think it would be a real opportunity for us as as canadian players to show off how good we are um and see if we can't have you know multiple guys on that team I asked Mike at uh, an event we did at Royal Montreal a couple of weeks ago. I said, I'm going to give you a number of 2.5 and I want you to pick the over under on the name, number of Canadians who will make the team. Jim Furyk was there. Jim Furyk took the over. Uh, Mike, Mike thinks he's going to go with the over too. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it would be kind of neat to have three or possibly even more on that team. Wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, look at what we've done in the past. Now you went from having maybe one of us make a team to, um, I mean, there was a legitimate shot for four of us to be there in Charlotte. Um, I think depending on how the end of that year shook out and, you know, their analytics, but, you know, I think Mackenzie and I were both in the conversation at least. Um, and then with Taylor and Corey being there, um, now Nick has thrown his hat in the ring as well. I mean, you know, all things go well. I mean, I think you could legitimately have a chance of having five, six guys on the team, um, We've shown that we can compete at the highest levels and, and win on the PGA Tour and be competitive year in, year out. And uh, that's exciting. It's exciting for Canadian golf and, and for a, an event of that magnitude to go up to Canada and have that as a possibility, I think, is um, probably not something that anybody would have dreamt about three, four years ago. And, and just to follow up, the Olympics, is that on the, on the calendar there, target list? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've missed out on the last two just on the outside for Brazil. And I think if things went off without a hitch in Tokyo, I would have been on the team, but the extended year, I kind of fell back and, and fell out of qualifying. But um, yeah, I think it's some, I'm still not a hundred percent how to process it because I haven't been a part of one yet, but I know that when you take one of the greatest sporting events in the world that only happens once every four years, I think to be, a part of that and to be in that environment for that week and be surrounded by some of the best athletes in the world, I think is an incredible opportunity. And, um, you know, to leave there as a medalist, um, there's only been six medalists in golf, right. um, total. And so I think to put yourself in that group, I think would be very special and something that you would probably cherish for the rest of your life. I'll just I'll just make a minor correction. There's six in the current edition of because don't forget George S. Lyon from Canada was the gold medal winner in the first one in nineteen. Okay. Yes. So, current. So we have was... a long we have a longer drought as a Canadian fan base than <laughs> than the Canadian <laughs> Open with uh, with Nick ended. So that's right. That's yeah. right. Well, thank you for spending some time with us right now when it's not so busy, and uh, we appreciate that. And we look forward to seeing you uh, very soon. No problems at all. Thanks, Bob. 
This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Welcome back inside GTC. I'm Adam Scully. Today is part of our Year in Review series, where we're taking a look at some of the interviews we did with Canadians in 2023. Now, when you look at social media, one might wonder, who is the most followed Canadian golfer on all of social media? The answer is Mac Boucher who has quite a story. He has well over 330,000 followers on Instagram alone. That number is climbing daily. I'm sure many of those listening to the show right now follow Mac on Instagram. If you don't, you should because he is a really cool follow. So how did he get to where he is today? Last summer, I chatted with Mac Boucher. Pleased to be joined by the most followed Canadian golfer on social media, Mac Boucher. Mac, how does that sound? It's pretty cool. It's definitely pretty surreal, considering I've only been at it for a short amount of time, yeah. but uh, not something I expected to happen, but here we are. Okay, so you mentioned a short amount of time. How did this all begin for you? So during COVID, I moved back from New Zealand. Uh, I was there full-time teaching at a course in Queenstown. Absolutely loved it. Thought I had my life figured out. Obviously, the pandemic kind of threw a curveball at me. Uh, I was forced to move back to Canada. Kind of just needed something to fill the void. I'm a creative person, just needed something to keep my mind kind of active during COVID. So I started slamming out these videos on Instagram, just something fun to do. And then it kind of just started snowballing a little bit. And I'm like, hmm, it could be a little bit of an opportunity to turn it into something, so. And you were in Dubai when things really kicked off, is that right? Yeah, so I was over there um, kind of, I guess, December 2020, I went over there just because I'm like, Toronto shut down, couldn't teach indoors. <laughs> I was teaching at a little facility in Toronto, TXG. And then, um, yeah, it was, uh, just went to Dubai as a, on a whim. So, wow. And then here we are. Here we so are. you mentioned teaching. So you've also taught uh, both in New Zealand and in Toronto. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So I was, um, New Zealand's kind of where I really started teaching okay. full time. Okay. Um, and then when I moved back, I actually taught, I was a head teaching professional in the Skoka Bay Club mm. um, for a bit before I went into, to Dubai. And then I was yeah. teaching at TXG in the wintertime, just indoor facility allowed me to keep on doing it. So people browse your Instagram, your social media handles, and they think, how good of a player are you actually? So give us, give our audience a sense of your background of how much golf you played growing up. Yeah, so I mean, I picked up a game pretty late. It started quite late compared to like most people yeah. at the level I'm at. Um, I went through a phase where I was, you know, Ontario Am, Canadian Am, qualified for some USGA events as an amateur. Uh, got my card for PGA Tour Canada, my first time going to Q School. Played professionally, realized pretty quick that I wasn't going to make a real career at it. Obviously, professional golf, people don't quite understand how good those guys are. Um, and now I'm just kind of a washed up Instagram guy that just enjoys getting out there. So Okay, I wouldn't put it that far. But now, so what's it like for you, you know, getting the notoriety you're getting now? Like, we're doing a shoot here. We have four cameras set up. You're being recognized everywhere. What's that like for you? So coming, I'm a very introverted person. Yeah. I'm very keep to myself, never been much of like enjoy the spotlight. Mm -hmm. So that's probably been the biggest adjustment for me is people coming up to me on the street, people coming to me at every course I go to kind of wanting to chat. And I love it. Like I get to meet a lot of really cool people, but it's, it's definitely new to me. It's been the hardest part for me is stepping out of my comfort zone, 
and not just crawling into my little turtle shell like I used to. <laughs> and, so. and part of that notoriety is, is gaining relationships with companies, TaylorMade being one of them. How important is that your relationship with uh, TaylorMade? So TaylorMade was great because when I was playing full-time, I used to use a TaylorMade driver. They used to ship me a, kind of the head every year, and it's a relationship that's pretty cool to see it evolve into what it is now yeah. through every stage. I was When I was uh, uh, teaching full-time, I was on the staff deal with them, so I, I've been using the TaylorMade clouds for a while, and it's, it's pretty cool that they've kind of stood stood by me through each kind of uh, era of my, my golf life, I guess. Mm -hmm. So people see the shots that you hit, which we're going to get to shortly, but travel is a big part mm -hmm. of your life now. Do you have a bucket list course that you haven't quite gotten to yet? Um, I'm not sure if I have a bucket list course. I kind of like just take it as it comes each day, and um, I feel like that way I'm always experiencing courses that maybe are a little bit off the beaten path, mm -hmm. maybe ones that aren't on other people's bucket list. So that's kind of been the, the way I've gone. I, I feel like I need to play Pebble Beach just because it's Pebble Beach. Um, I potentially have the opportunity to play Pine Valley coming up, Ooh. which I mean, Ooh. I'm not going to be allowed to video, but it would be a pretty cool opportunity. <laughs> you so, could talk all yeah, about, it, talk you, about you it. You certainly couldn't, uh, couldn't film there, uh, that's for sure. So how about the favorite place you've traveled so far? So New Zealand's yeah. my favorite place. I yeah. mean, that place has a special place in my heart for sure. Um, I spent a little bit of time the last year there. Uh, I've gone over twice. Of course, Jack's Point is like my favorite place on planet Earth. Really? I just go hang out there for hours and it's uh, kind of just feels like my place. So. Wow. Now, we mentioned off the top, you know, you being the most followed Canadian golfer on social media. For you, though, what's next? So, for now, I'm trying to build, I mean, the shelf life of social media, you don't really know. So, for me, it's creating a brand that's got some longevity that can kind of like a bubble that moves with me. Mm -hmm. um, I love traveling. I love like the tourism side of golf. So um, getting into the YouTube scene, I think is going to give me that opportunity to really kind of um, have that kind of bubble that travels with me, which I'm trying to. Yeah. And, and for that too, like this, this, this new YouTube era of golf, if you will, you get to see all these younger people in a different light. Like we've watched golf all, all of our lives on Saturday, Sunday, and you don't really get to get, you know, don't really get to know the players very well. Sure. But for this, this is a chance for you to show your personality off, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's something that I, I have lacked on Instagram. It's, it's a one minute kind of video that I <laughs> cut up and toss it on there. So I think I'm a little bit misperceived on what my actual kind yeah. of attitude is with things so YouTube will allow me to express that a little bit more and I mean I'm enjoying stepping out of my comfort zones because it's something new to me and it's it's pretty fun so yeah totally okay so I mentioned you know people scrolling through your feed they see the pro tracer they see the slinging shots how did you start incorporating these shots into your game so I've always been a creative person on the course I was self-taught I did take some lessons I was taught by Sean Foley uh, Connor O'Shea local guy mm -hmm. um, they kind of fine-tuned my basics, but I've always had a little bit of a flair of playing a little differently. I play for a way that kind of works for me, probably doesn't work for others, um, maybe it does, but um, I think that's the thing with golf is there's so many different ways to play it. It's always been very cookie cutter, um, <laughs> and I'm trying to show that you can get the job done in multiple different ways. I just enjoy being out there now, but um, it worked for me when I was playing tournaments. It's kind of I have my cues that work for me, and that's why I did it. So. And would you call that slinging hook shot perhaps your favorite? Yeah, I mean, that's a safety blanket for me. People look at me like I'm crazy, and for me, it's like, I know where my miss is gonna go. If I'm gonna hook a golf ball, my miss is generally gonna be right. So right. if there's water right, don't hook it. If there's water left, I'm hooking it. Well, so. the funny thing too is we, we played a round of golf together in Los Angeles back in February, and you generally hit a cut off the tee with a driver, that's correct? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cut with the driver pretty much nine times out of 10. If the wind's off the left, then I love drawing it. Uh -huh. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's all it's all face. I call it my safety slice off the tee, and then I'm generally a hook with the irons. So it's a little bit a little bit backwards, but 
it's just something that's always felt comfortable for me. And Tiger Woods, you know, he was really the, the he started the stinger, if you will. And you have a different shot with a fairway metal where you teed up a little high and sting that. Is, is there a name for that? Uh, I don't really have a name for it, okay. but it's my, it's like by far my favorite. Okay. Kind of go-to shot just because it's uh, um, so many different variety of flights right. I can put on it. Okay. And as someone who is creative, I like to see different flight windows. Okay. So the high tee allows me to do that. Well, I've been watching your feet a lot. I've been trying to learn from your feet and you know, I, I'm a decent golfer. I'm about a three handicap. You're a good golfer. But, but, but I want to I wanna learn some of these shots. Sure. What do you say we go to the range and you teach me how to hit some of these shots? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I think it'd be uh, pretty fun to see. I've seen you hit the stinger. I feel like the high tee is going to even bring that new element for you. So let's do it. Really enjoyed the conversation with Mac. I had a chance to play with him at an Adidas event too. That was last February in Los Angeles. That was a ton of fun. Mac's an awesome guy. Go follow Mac on Instagram and go learn that slinger shot. And we reference at the end of that interview how Mac was going to teach me how to hit some of his go-to signature shots. Check out our YouTube channel. You can see Mac putting me through the paces. And now that I have that slinger hook in play, sometimes I pull it out every once in a while. Thanks again to Mac Boucher for joining us on Golf Talk Canada. I'm sure we'll have more content with Mac come 2024. Well, this has been a really fun edition of GTC. Looking back at some of the great Canadian performances throughout 2023, I'm sure 2024 is going to be yet another awesome year for Canadian golf. We are back live right here on TSN 1050, Monday, February 5th is our next live show right here on TSN 1050. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. And remember, the first good decision for the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.